Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Blokeology, evidence-based health, fitness and lifestyle for men. I'm Dr. Ewan Lawson. Today, what I've got is an interview with Zonka Ahrens. And Zonka's an academic, a German academic, who's written a book called How to Take Smart Notes. Uh, show notes for today's episode will, of course, be at uh, blokeology.io forward slash 030. So today's episode is a little bit different to what we've done before. And it perhaps is aimed more at those who are writing for a living, whether that's whether you're a, um, a non-fiction writer or you're an academic, or maybe you're a student and you have to look into taking notes and reading. But actually, I think what Zonka has described in his book is this incredibly rich exploration of how we go about learning, how we re- how we build our knowledge. And if you've any interest, any interest at all in evidence and looking harder at how we understand things, and if you happen to write about it, then it will be particularly valuable to you. But I think if you just happen to think about it at all, then there's an enormous amount of value in there. He touches on areas about multitasking, about how the brain plays tricks on us when we're trying to learn things. There are lots of incredible areas about how we reinforce a confirmation bias, the way we forget things as time goes by and we don't actually retain that knowledge and we keep relearning older things. We go through some of the actual details of something called the slip box system, which is in German known as the Zettelkasten. And it's an incredible method, an incredible technique that can be used to build your knowledge, build your understanding of a topic. And certainly if you're a writer, it's an invaluable way to generate um, ideas, to uh, stimulate your thinking uh, and to record what you're learning. Um, If you want to get a little bit more involved with the podcast, then I do send out a regular newsletter, which has got lots of evidence-based tips, book recommendations, and other pointers towards keeping yourself fit, healthy, improving your lifestyle, developing productivity, and other areas. You can sign up for that at blokeology.io forward slash journal. So the first thing I did was ask Zonka to tell us a little bit more about Nicholas Lumen, who came up with this system and what was involved. So Niklas Luhmann is one of my academic heroes um, mm-hmm. and probably not very well known um, outside the German-speaking world. He is impressive. Um, he's a sociologist. He's not only impressive because of his extensive work and he's written like 60 books and hundreds of articles um, on vastly different topics, ranging from sociology itself, philosophy, art, economics, politics, you name it. Uh, at least in Germany, it's a huge advantage because you can go to any party and speak with people from every discipline. And you can always find a common ground in some texts of Niklas Luhmann. <laughs> um, Especially in the laws, uh, he's uh, he was trained in law, so he wrote wrote extensively on that. Um, but most impressive uh, for me is his the density of insight in his text. So it's easy to write a lot if you repeat yourself or uh, use some kind of copy and paste technique or just just go on and on and when you read text by Nicholas Luhmann it's this incredible and density of insight on on every page and at the same time it's hugely complex so 
uh, it takes a bit of time to get into it because he connects all these different fields of society to come up with a theory of the society that draws from his insight and ability to recognize patterns uh, that are similar in uh, the social systems, be it art, um, economics, politics, etc. So I got very interested in his work early on and like a friend of mine used to say, used to say, um, when he wants to remind himself how proper thinking works, uh, he just reads something by Nicholas Luhmann. <laughs> so um, let me, so uh, one thing, I wanted, Nicholas Luhmann, he's re- I wanted to ask how well known he is in Germany, because I know that your book is one of the first books in English, maybe the first book in English, which has talked about Luhmann and his techniques. But um, he's, he's really well known across. I was in more academic circles, particularly. He's really, he's really quite, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, is somebody that I just say you could go anywhere and you could talk about him, and they'd know, who, and they would know who you meant. Well, in uh, in the social sciences, he is very well known, yeah, and uh, especially in sociology, obviously. But the book and many texts you will find in English and translated in multiple languages, um, but. There is actually uh, very little uh, about his writing mm. technique and the way he was able to produce this complex work and come up with so many um, genuine new ideas and um, be so productive. Yeah, there are some descriptions um, floating around, mostly in German, some in English, but they are often misleading. And um, there is a research project at the moment at his old university in Bielefeld. Um, so they are uh, digitalizing all his notes, uh, putting them online and cool. try to get a better understanding uh, how his note-taking system that led to this um, incredible productivity actually worked. And um, the technique itself is not very difficult. Um, It's crucial, though, to understand the principles behind it. Yeah, so let me let, let me let unpick a couple of things there. So first of all, he had a he had he had this amazing note. Your book is how to take smart notes, but one of the things I guess Lumen, if you do hear about him, that you hear about is this incredible productivity, and you talk about that at the start of the book. But and that, of course that appeals to people because people like the idea of being incredibly productive and producing more and writing more. And if you're a writer, you always you know you're worrying about your word count, or if you're an academic, you're worrying about how many papers you're getting out there. So that's very superficially attractive, of course. But the, the bit that you really, in terms of unpacking that, the bit that really is interesting is that you talked about density and yeah. that, that sort of that insight. And I kind of, that's the, I really wanted to pay you this compliment in your book, because although it's called How to Take Smart Notes, it's a, it, it is a very, it's a dense book in a very, and I would say that, and I mean that in a very complimentary and positive way. It has incredible insight all through it. And it's rooted in the evidence of, you know, and I, I know that you've got a background in sociology, obviously, but education as well. I'm picking out an enormous number of messages for teaching my students uh, through it. And so, and as well as my own kind of thinking about how I'm going to do my writing and how I think about how I acquire knowledge. And it's a whole sort of, and I think that's my link with the bloco- blocology thing is it's about how we build evidence, how we understand things. 
actually, th- this is not just a book about note taking, although it does do that incredibly well. That's what I really felt about your book. There's just that incredible, incredible density, incredible richness, I suppose, might be a better word. It's just incredibly rich. And uh, that kind of that, if that was Lumen, that, you know, if you're, if you're aiming to emulate Lumen, I think you've done it incredibly well. And it's beyond that superficial attraction of productivity. It's that density that really uh, that impresses me so much. Well, thank you. I think a certain kind of writing uh, is, um, is, comes with taking notes in a particular way. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think it has a lot of implications um, for teaching, as you mentioned, and to approach your own, um, for your own approach to generating insight and coming up with new ideas. And um, yeah, maybe just to take the teaching part, um, so we know, for example, that um, it's not a good idea to present material um, in a compartmentalized way and bring it all in order for the students to review it easily, to go through the material uh, again and again. Yeah. Um, we know it's much more advantageous to... Um, to jump ahead, go back to something, to compare it, to mix it up, um, and mm. bring very heterogeneous ideas from dis- different disciplines together. Yeah. Because it forces you to really um, think about how things connect and um, see differences between seemingly similar ideas yeah etc yeah well that there's very that works very well in the field of medicine and that's obviously what i'm involved in teaching and that particularly the senior years medical students when they have to bring together you know once you get over the initial you know how to take a history how to examine a patient the basics of the clinical disease there are then all these complex social factors and the diagnostic process and thinking about treatment there's a lot of things to integrate and they, they don't just come from nice little compartmentalized this is the anatomy of the heart this is the pharmacology of that drug. You have to integrate a lot of that and appreciating those differences. And I've felt a lot of that coming through in the book and I'm already teaching the students, you know, just this, this simple, this simple little techniques and evidence that the study that you mentioned in there about um, how students, I mean, it's a slightly different, it's a slight aside, but it's about all about elaboration, isn't it? In that when you're reading and actually the, the study that showed if you took hand, the students who took handwritten notes, they didn't right. remember any more information necessarily, but they demonstrated a much better understanding later on. It was a, it was a, it was a study, wasn't it, comparing um, typing notes versus writing notes? Yeah, it was the beautiful title, uh, The Pen is Mightier Than the Keyboard. Yeah, they, they did and, well coming up with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that this is something you find often uh, when it comes to learning, that something that seemingly hinders um, your progress uh, is actually advantageous. Yeah. So writing by hand um, is actually slower. So you can't grasp as many information uh, or as much information like you could do when you type on a keyboard. But because um, you're slower, um, you're forced to think how to condense the information so you can write 
it in one sentence instead of three. And that forces you to, like you said, elaborate on it. Mm-hmm. And the Lumen uh, note-taking technique um, implements a lot of these uh, steps um, in a very concrete way. So you're forced to elaborate on it. You are forced to think how to connect one piece of information with another one. Yeah. And if you have another technique that is just writing down and filing it um, under a certain uh, topic, then you're not forcing yourself to compare. Yeah. And, but it might feel um, intuitively more productive because you get more on paper. Yeah. And, and it's very, it's, it has, again, it has that very super effra- superficial attraction to students who sit in lectures and they type everything down. But actually, it's in, in the evidence suggests it's not the it's not in this at all necessarily the best way. The same is with um, self testing. Mm-hmm. So um, we know that reading a text twice, three times, uh, again and again, doesn't really help mm-hmm. with neither with understanding nor with learning. Um, we know that. Putting the text to the side and trying to remember, trying to retrieve the information uh, and writing it down does help a lot more. And at the same time, going through a text twice um, makes you feel um, you made enormous progress because everything you read is familiar to you. Yeah. And... We confuse familiarity with mastery. Yeah, I, th- so, I, I, th- I, I, I was telling my students just this last week as well that, that that's a, it's a, and I'm not sure I had appreciated this that it's a terrible trick your brain plays on you that yes. you you read it again and because you've highlighted something you think that you and you recognise that that familiarity you look at it and you're like oh I know that I'm okay but and, and I've certainly was chatting to some students but then like for example anatomy very prone to that they might you might read something in a book and you. You look at it and you think you know it, but as soon as you present the information from a slightly different angle, or they get a, you know, a different perspective that they have to determine whether they know they realize that they don't know it at all, and they 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 pile in dramatically and have a very bad experience with uh, they don't have their understanding. The interesting bit is that you can teach students, um, or you can tell them about these studies, and they might find them completely convincing that it's better to go through the process of self-testing and um, through the feeling of not having learned very much because you confront yourself with all the things you can't do right now. Um, So they can fully understand that and believe in the studies and the evidence is quite clear. But most of them will go back after a week to just doing the review because it feels so much better it yeah. feels so much more like progress that, that's i had completely forgotten that bit of evidence as well that's so that and that's so critical isn't it that actually most people just don't take the, even though you know they're completely rational they don't they don't make the change or they don't stick with the change it's a fascinating insight into how the brain is it's just you know it works hard against us sometimes and i think that's where evidence-based uh, science comes in because sometimes it's 
really important to stick to our intuition and uh, mm. not get distracted from that. And But there are a few uh, examples where going with your intuition really is misleading. Yeah. And knowing where to depart from that, uh, it's incredibly important. And when it comes to learning, it's... Um, there are quite a few things that are counterintuitively um, working so much better than how we feel it's right. Yeah. So I, I realize that we've gone we've gone away in, but we probably haven't really explained what this the, 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 the Lumen system is. So perhaps, you know, in any detail at all. So perhaps get you to run through very quickly. And it's a deceptively simple system, but get you to run. But, you know, obviously levels of complexity can be built into it just to run through what's involved. Lumen started with uh, going through text like most of us uh, do, just underlining sentences, writing comments in the margins, and then making a little bit more elaborate notes and putting them into his books. And But soon it got a bit out of hand, um, and he realized he can't find the notes he had written and he had to remember where he put them and then he had to remember where in the on what page he made a comment in the margin so he um developed a different system and he um established a two-step process so first of all he just took literature notes which were very uh, concise and um, just on a uh, small piece of paper saying on page X it says Y. Uh, just a short sentence. And in the evening when he uh, came home, he would take these literature notes and started to elaborate on them. So he would go through the... Um, uh, slip box he already had through the notes he already had and thought about intensively on how to connect the new idea with the old ideas he has already written down somewhere. And then he would write just one idea, uh, one thought on one sheet of paper and, um, Instead of filing it under a topic or a subtopic, he would just number them consecutively. Um, so first note, note number one, second number two, third number three. And later, when he would add something as a comment to another note, he would just put it in between. So a new note might go between two and three and would become number two A. And so he can branch out indefinitely and um, make comments or notes he has already made and um, write in full sentences and um, almost as if for print. And that is one of the important things that in this uh, second step, um, he would write like he would write for someone else because he would go through these notes uh, a year later, 10 years later, uh, or 20 years later and still need to understand what he meant by that. 
we usually write quick notes, which are just reminders of a thought we have in our head. So um, the moment we forget uh, what it was about or we forget about the context, we would not really grasp the information which is on the paper. So forcing yourself to uh, express it in a way as if you write it for someone else because you will be someone else in three years mm. uh, or the next day when it comes to me, I uh, <laughs> yeah. struggle with understanding what I've written the day before if I don't put it in uh, very explicit terms. So um, this is almost like writing for print and brings him a huge step forward towards the final manuscript. He also has an index just um, for uh, terms, so he can find the notes. Um, so you can write down like uh, philosophy of education, compare note number 36B1, and uh, any structure, um, any overview over a topic um, would become just another thought. So instead of um, coming up with a system in the beginning and then um, being bound to this structure, um, he was very aware that the way we organize notes is a certain kind of thinking about something that is bound to change over time. So he would just write another note on which he makes a kind of structure with links to other notes, uh, which can be replaced later. And um, he would update the index and point to the new note instead. So yeah. this is a button-up uh, approach that build up over time to thousands and thousands of notes and doesn't provide really an overview, but it allows you to get into a line of thinking or a thought very quickly on a very basic level and um yeah yeah that's it yeah so uh, it's kind of it, it's amazing because it really is an index card system but it's those things there that you've highlighted that are the key differences and he doesn't try to catch it he didn't try to categorize at all so there was no artificial creating those categories at the start he took into account the fact that you forget, and I have the same experience as you. I've only been going at my slip box for a couple of weeks, and I'm already looking back at notes and um, being amazed at what I've written uh, and being uh, reading them as if they were new. I'd forgotten that I'd put those down. I'd forgotten I'd created the notes in places, um, yeah. I think, and links and building links between them. So they, but there's this whole concept that once you build it up and you generate these links, the, the slip box actually becomes almost like a second brain. Exactly. So he is talking about it uh, like a dialogue partner. So mm -hmm. he is having a conversation uh, with a slip box. And I think that that puts it very well, because most of the notes we, we are writing, we will have forgotten uh, soon after. And most uh, file systems work with very sophisticated search uh, engine approaches where you still need to know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And Lumen's system works much more by it points you 
towards something you already have forgotten. And um, so it always comes with a uh, element of surprise. Yeah. And that sparks new ideas. Yeah. So you have um, constantly unintentional uh, encounters with um, with notes that um, surprise you. Um, yeah. And that's and that's part of the um, uh, that and I guess that's part of why the way we thought of Lumen was almost kind of a, a polymath in that regard that he covered so many different areas and so many that he was going into a slip box. He had this amazing resource of thousands of notes, and it was uh, it was surprising him and it was offering up completely new areas for a team to look into. And why he's covered so many, whether it was um, sociology or the law or, or politics or whatever it was he was writing about, he'd covered an incredible range of areas. Yeah, and by externalizing this brain, um, yeah. it allows him to build up complexity. And I think it mirrors in in the writing style or in the kind of theory you can up, can up, come up with. Um, there are so many books where you see someone is trying to make everything fit into one main idea. So mm -hmm. they start with one main idea and then they kind of uh, categorize everything under it. And then you have uh, the network society or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts from the idea, well, society is so complex, we, we just don't have an overview. That's the main feature of our society. And at the same time, it's, it works surprisingly well. So there must be some internal rules or uh, some kind of order from noise that um, uh, allows society to deal with complexity. And that mirrors in the way he writes. So it allows to build up complexity and then you can uh, develop a theory that is complex in itself. Yeah. And for someone who's who always likes to uh, venture into new areas, um, I find that highly attractive. Yeah, I, I think it probably ticks my boxes as well because I'm just uh, one of those little brains that can't sit still on one thing for terribly long. And I like to it, pulling in. It's fascinating when you start pulling in aspects of other disciplines into the the topic you're thinking, whatever I am I'm considering, and. I, the, the really attractive thing about Lumen system is that it finds a way to join all those together rather than just feeling disjointed, unconnected, irrelevant, and you can start to spot the patterns in a much better way. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's not without structure, but the structure mm. emerges bottom-up, yeah. and that's pretty much like science. So we don't start with we, um, we have to come up with a new idea for this discipline, but we restructure our disciplines by new insight we generate and after a while uh, it doesn't make sense to um to use the same structure we yeah. used 100 years ago so let me let me ask you some practical questions about it because people are probably wondering well that all sounds well and good but most people won't want to go back to an index card system and there are various software options that are used there. how do you go about with your own and, and the zettelkasten is the german word for slipbox isn't it so i yeah, understand exactly. so it's um there's various different ways of doing zettelkasten how do you go about doing yours well one of the reasons i wrote this book is to spare others uh this 
long years of trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I started with uh, paper, mm-hmm. and I used uh, DNA five. Do you? Yeah, A five is a kind of just a slightly, you know, um, you know, regular yeah, size so, notebook. Uh, that turned out to be just too large, uh, and it's actually double the size of what Luhmann used. So um, I tried to um, use smaller paper, and then I used just uh, HTML um, hyperlinks and. Um, wanted to find something that worked on the computer um, to, to not end up with a, a warehouse full of notes. <laughs> and, yes. But that was a bit too laborious. So I went back to paper and then uh, the then there was one software that is... Um, really a one-man project. A colleague of mine in Hamburg, he developed a program which is called Settlecusten. You can find the link on Mm -hmm. my homepage. This is what I'm using now because I think it's the best software available. Um, But I hope to, um, to build up some critical mass of Settled custom enthusiasts, so that there will be some open source project uh, which can develop. Um, from my understanding, yeah. a lot of people found their own um, techniques and they use vastly different um, programs. Um, and yeah, so. Um, mm-hmm. Different things seem to work uh, for different uh, people. And so I'm working with the Settle Custom program and I, I like it a lot, but uh, there are a few things I would like to be different. But uh, as it's not an open source project, but a one one project, it's pretty limited what you can expect in development from that. Uh, but many people yeah. I heard uh, from. Um, as a feedback to the book, really prefer pen and paper. And I think that's, that makes sense on, on many levels. And um, Lumen was incredibly productive with pen and paper, and I don't think uh, one should feel like that's not enough in terms of productivity. It's more that it lacks yeah. a feature, like you, you can just type in... Uh, a search term and it goes through all your notes so uh, my experience just looking into this is that i went to obviously your website and there are various links and we'll make sure we've got a link to your website there was another website zettelkasten.de which has got various programs and i'm actually trying there those i think the the, i think it's two chaps there that run that website or at least one and they've got a piece of software called the archive and um, that's based, I think, on a, on NVOut, which was a kind of a text-based, which I think is open source with Brett Terpstra, was an open source text note-keeping thing. And I'm, they've developed the archive from that. And it does cost a little bit. It's quite modestly priced, um, I think, like yeah. 15 or $20. And I'm using that. And it seems, and I'm familiar with it anyway, because I'd used NVOut in the past. And it has the, um, there are various things they recommend in terms of getting, you know, unique identifiers for each note and other things. 
So I'm going with that for the moment, but I can see that there are, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And you've got to be careful of not going down that rabbit hole of researching ways to do your slip box your whole life rather yeah, than actually exactly. just getting on and developing your slip box, um, which is the classic procrastination. Well, a few things to keep in mind are that it should be as simple as possible. Uh, you don't need many features. You, you want it as simple as it gets because it shouldn't distract you from the actual work, which is reading and writing and connecting ideas. And that yeah. rules already rules out um, quite a lot of uh, programs. Uh, I haven't checked out the one uh, you mentioned. Uh, not the not the the, yeah, the, archive, not the latest mm. version though. And. Um, I prefer something that is, or I hope for something that is completely open source because it mm. is a kind of guarantee that it will develop over time uh, and you don't yeah. make yourself dependent on um, a few people who are enthusiastic enough to, to keep it going. Yeah. I think that's right. The, 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 I had certainly was wary of that. The advantage of the, the archive is that everything saved as a text file. So ultimately, they, they are all they all they're all just preserved as a text file. They're not in yeah. some proprietary kind of locked into some bundle. So they're just there in a text file, and they sit in my Dropbox. And so they're tiny. They they update and um, I mean, sync in seconds wherever, even when the internet's rubbish. So they're that's why I feel slightly relaxed about that because it's just got that. Um, that's, that builds in some future-proofness yeah, anyway. Certainly a very important uh, aspect of that. Um, yeah, because yeah, you, you, I, I just say the idea, perhaps the idea is you have a single Zettelcast and a single Slipbox, which is your whole life, the rest of your life. You don't try and develop multiple ones necessarily. And I know there's discussion about this. I've seen discussion about this on the Zettelcast and blog at zettelcasten.de. But, the, you know, you just have a single one, a single Slipbox and... Um, Gosh, it's got to last a very long time, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, I I use only one, and uh, I try to use two for uh, more private ideas. And um, But it turned out these things are not separated in my head. So I they, they get informed <laughs> by what I read, and uh, my uh, work at the university gets informed by things I encounter. And so... Yeah. It's very much like you said, it's like your second brain and that isn't compartmentalized in that way either. Yeah, I know. I've started doing that. I was trying to just stick to work things. Then I've realized I've actually put a few, you know, personal anecdotes and stories I've even started actually putting in in places and writing that I've just had ideas of things that have happened to me that I can then, I know will then be linked to other bits of research or experiences and whether it's running or fitness or whether it's um, a university, you know, a kind of uh, some issues um, related to work there, I'm kind of, I'm realized that actually they all fit together. It's all just part of my, you know, if, if you like, it's just part of your second brain. Yeah, and I also think it's not just for people who write. Um, I got a lot of feedback mm. from people who use it as, as a personal journal. Um, yeah. And to justify the amount of reading they do. Because it feels so much better yeah. when you somehow do something with it. And the feedback yeah. is that it improves the reading so much that it feels mm -hmm. like you really do the step from reading something to understanding what it really means. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important insight that actually, and you know, we've there, there's a risk that people think, oh, it's just for nonfiction writers, students, or even just for academics. But actually, it's just for anybody who reads and wants to understand what they're reading. And if you read more than, you know, you read several books and it's very frustrating to read something and then realize that, and I'll go back to it, some of these nonfiction books, which are really great, or even fiction for that matter, and realize I'd completely forgotten yeah. something I'd read a year or two ago. It had just gone from my head. In effect, it doesn't, it didn't exist anymore. And this is a very attractive way to pull some of those ideas together and, and, and enrich in your experience yeah, of your books. Yeah, keep good old ideas. I mean, we, we tend to uh, yeah. use the ideas we encountered most recently, but these are not necessarily the best ones. And the slipbox kind of reminds you constantly of old ideas. So you have to compare any new idea. Is it actually better? And... Uh, this kind of um, testing um, that the slipbox forces me to do um, also shows me on a daily basis where where I overestimate my my own insight. So I I write a note and <laughs> I put it in the settle custom and I realize well the same idea is already there or in in a slightly yeah. different way and then I can put these two notes side by side and compare and think about well they can't be both right <laughs> there, there's a different uh, yeah. difference and i have to make uh, a decision and i think it's yeah, especially for students in uh, the early semesters this experience that we read a text you find it highly convincing then you read the second one contradicting what you read before completely, but you don't notice it because it's also very convincing. Mm. Um, but the moment you have to put it together, you have to make a decision about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, just kind of, cause one of the things that I've seen, I'd like to read more about, but, and you've got a lot in your book and it's something about reading for understanding and about actually this skill of reading. And just in terms of what you do, like notes in the margin, I've seen, you know, like people like, um, uh, uh what's his name? Oh, I've forgotten um, a four-hour work. Tim Ferriss has popularized that idea of, you know, putting an index in the book itself when you read it. What sort of note-keeping notes do you do? Because I know that just that highlighting thing's not a great option. How do you go about actually the practicalities of reading something that you then want to add to your Zettelkast and later? Well, I think from the end. So I know that the only thing that counts for me are these Zettelkast notes which have to be connected somehow with other notes. And if, it's a, if I encounter an idea I can write down on a note directly, I will do that. But most often I need intermediate steps. Um, and that means I have to uh, understand the context first, which means I have to go through the whole chapter before I'm able to write something that makes sense. Um, because you don't want to just pull out quotes and they sound good. You want to understand um, the context of it. So, mm. I with more complex texts, I I still use highlighters and comments in the margins. Um, but that's mm -hmm. more like a preparation for the actual note. It's um, I know that the highlighting itself won't help me in any way um, 
and sometimes I need to write something down um, be just as a rough draft before I can make a note um, because I I need that that step to to understand what it is about. Um, I think you you should do as many steps you need, uh, knowing that the only thing that really counts is a note that you will still understand when you have forgotten what it was all about. Yeah. That, that makes me feel a bit better, actually, because I was feeling a bit guilty about doing little notes in my text and highlighting, but it's that in, in books, because I know how worthless it is in terms of the future remembering, but I guess what it is, if you go, if you want to take, you want to get in your put, add notes and cards to your slip box or your Zettelkasten or your online archive, whatever it is, they're just there to go back to, aren't they? So they're they're just kind of uh, they're just there to remind you when you go back and create your notes, whether you can start creating them or drafting them. But when it comes to that final little stage, that's the bit that's really going to stay. Hopefully, enter your external memory as a bit more in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, and there are different notes you need for different kind of projects. Sometimes it's important just to highlight a few words in a uh, manuscript because you will use it for a lecture or um, you don't need a note in the slip box sense for that. Uh, you just need something as a reminder. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. And it's kind of, the, the, and the thing is, there's no rules, is there? Ultimately, there, there are kind of, you know, no one's going to, and I, sometimes you, I have to get over that when I'm tackling my box, that I create these little self-imposed rules about how I should be doing it. But actually, as long as you're, if you stick to the principles, then you, you can create something enormously valuable. Yeah, that's why I try to focus on, on the principles uh, behind the Zettel Custom, um, because I notice that People who try to just use the technique in itself um, often uh, give up on that because it feels either too laborious or um, it, they it doesn't fit to their workflow. Um, and I think you shouldn't get religious about that. But the moment you understand <laughs> what it is about and what the principles behind it. Um, you can you can make something of your own. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. So the, the final thing I was just going to have a quick word about was about making it a habit, and I love talking about habits as a general rule because you know I just think they they're applicable to almost everything in life, whether it's eating or exercising or reading or learning. Um, how have, what what have you learned about habits, and particularly how have you developed the habit with, along with your your slip box? And actually, one of the things I'm still struggling with it is actually just getting in a routine of doing it regularly. It's certainly all about getting into the routine and um, not having to think about each step anymore. Um, but to get to the point where you can build up a routine, I think you have to go through this slightly uncomfortable feeling of unlearning uh, the routine uh, you had before in writing. And that might feel um, counterintuitive. Um, but in the end, it's all about incremental steps and making progress because not of um, huge breakthroughs, but because of um, a constant constantly increasing amount of 
very small notes. Um, it's mm. almost like in investing or in yeah. exercising. Uh, you don't you don't get fit by doing one gym session enormously. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, going out and doing an ultra marathon. Yeah, you, you've got to you've got to. It's the accumulation, isn't it? And I just say that's probably a good the investment and a small amount of money. Is the, in almost probably, I, I I see a slip box having the same benefit as compound interest. That exactly. it just, you know, over a period of years, oh, I mean, you can turn a small amount of regular money, a regular input into a stunning amount of, uh, you know, an investment at the end. And that's that's kind of how I feel where Zettel Kasten is. Exactly. And that might be one of the reasons it is not appealing for everyone. Mm. Um, I mean, when it comes to investing, Warren Buffett, Buffett was once asked why not everyone is just copying him and his answer was well very few people want to get rich slowly (laughs) 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 i think it's it's very much the same with the zettelkasten um you write a lot and you don't see the immediate outcome but looking back a year or two and you see the difference between having this amount of notes you can work with or just having no notes or just underlined sentences uh, distributed in the books uh, you probably <laughs> will never look back into. Yeah. And um, for when I teach, I always hope that students start as early as possible with building something up and it's not just a collection of um, isolated notes, but as you said, it's like compounded interest um, because at some point you have a critical mass of ideas that starts generating new ideas and it gets more valuable the more notes you have. Um, if you don't have a good structure, um, more notes become a problem because you can't find your way through them but if they are structured well uh, because you use a a technique that that can deal with complexity it's actually like compounded interest because it's getting more valuable the more notes you have pretty much like your brain i mean the more we know the more Mm. connections we can make and make sense of new information Um, Yeah. yeah Well, I, I think it's a marvelous system. Your books are fantastic exploration, as I said, very, you know, um, very rich and detailed, and a, a fantastic exemplar of what perhaps a Zettelkasten can do for all of us, and the, the the way that you go through it, and the points you're making, the richness and the and the variety of sources you 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 draw from as well. I think it's great. So I should ask you, where can where can um, listeners find you online, and where could they find the book? Uh, probably the best is. To go to the homepage takesmartnotes.com. Um, I planned to write a blog, but um, I think almost all ideas that are important are in the book itself. So I felt a bit like I'm repeating myself. So I'm now focusing more on uh, collecting questions and mm. maybe turning that into an FAQ or something like that. I certainly yeah. also collect um, 
hints for uh, mistakes in the book so i can um well i would say it's a very handsome book as well very very few mistakes if any i think that i've picked up and in it's it's uh, you know it's beautifully formatted and presented and i think it's um what's one of my it's certainly it's the book i'm now recommending alongside cal newport and deep work it's the i think for long-term um learning for anybody who wants to go down that path uh, the two of them together are phenomenal Thank you. Credit is due to Kathy, the uh, great editor of the book. <laughs> she turned my school English into proper English. Oh, well, it's, um, it's certainly um, um, it's a it's a it's a fantastic read. So, um, Sonka, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. You can find the full show notes at www blokeology.io you can also sign up for the newsletter the journal of blokeology at www.blokeology.io forward slash journal sign up and i'll make sure that i send you the healthy bloke action plan it would be enormously helpful if you've enjoyed the show if you've got anything out of it if you could pop over to apple podcasts and leave a review or just leave a rating that would be incredibly helpful and any feedback is very welcome And so you can leave comments, send email or make contact via Twitter, Facebook and the usual social media channels, all of which can be found at blokeology.io. Thanks again. Mm